0: I think if I reflect back on that time it was getting really clear on our messaging knowing who our clients were finding the right channels to get in front of them I really applied a lot of that financial discipline around trimming the business so it was pretty lean in terms of its cost structures so then the, the profit was insane and I mean, we we were kind of well above benchmark for other businesses. So in terms of our financial performance and probably the third element was really just building the right team and making sure they're already trained and equipped. Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide
1: expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde, and in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition, or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now, let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. I am joined today by my good friend, Andrew Lawson. Andrew, thanks for joining me. Pleasure to you, man. Good to see you again. Yeah, man, It's it's, uh, it's been a long time since we first met, probably well more than 10 years ago, and uh, and good to, to reconnect and and share some of your journey and your story. Andrew uh, runs two businesses, Just90 and Be- Best Practice Consulting, and we're going to tease the rest out during the the rest of the interview, but where I want to start, mate, is what would be your superpower? This was a conversation I had on the weekend over a few bottles of red wine. If you if you had a superpower, good question, Tim.
0: Yeah, I think uh look, my superpower is being able to take complex things and really distill it down to something that's more uh digestible, easy to understand. So there's a lot of um models in HR and consulting. So I'm able to kind of take the complex and say, look, here are the three most essential things you need to do. I thought you were going to go with like invisibility or... Oh, I I would love love that. I would love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Mate, tell me about
1: your journey. I know Best Practice Consulting has come out of your professional career in in project management and, and management consulting sort of work. Talk to me a little bit about that and how you discovered and found yourself um, you know, launching your own business.
0: Yeah, look, it's an interesting story, Tim. I, I was a co-business uh, partner in a dental practice with my then girlfriend at the time, and I'd entered that arena with, um, yeah, there were some challenges in the business it wasn't financially performing, starting problems, things, things of that nature. I kind of came on board to um, help kind of give it a bit of kickstart and turn it around Managed to turn around that, that business around 500 plus percent in a year. It was a it was a great um, achievement. But then I really That's fell in f- fell in love with this kind of transformation idea. How do we transform what people are doing? So that was the really thing. Anything is is amazing, right? You know. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, totally, like, totally. I was It was really cool. We actually built something really really great and had a lot of fun doing it. More importantly, and but that gave me the I guess that. Um, that burning desire inside that I want to kind of repeat this process and help others with it. So when I launched, a lot of the people had uh, in the industry, like in the dental sector and the medical sector, had kind of heard what we had done with the business. So they were kind of reaching out and saying, well, show us how you did it in our business. So come in and, and mm-hmm. work with us and do the same. So that was the very kind of early days of best practice consulting. And we were doing a lot of that work. And then a client eventually said to me, hey, could you get trained out? Staff in something. And um, I've got an education background. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll have a crack at running something like that. Um, the staff loved it. The business owner loved it. They kept engaging me and run more and more staff training. So they I sort of launched this training arm of the business. And that thing just kept growing and growing at a couple of hundred percent year on year. So every year it was two or 300 percent growth. It had legs of its own, which was just great. So what eventually happened as a traditional consulting business quickly morphed into doing more of this, training people within businesses and within organisations.
1: Yeah. Do you think? I mean, do you think there's a, a thing? Right, when we just discover this transformative secret source that we apply to our business, right? Well, do you think there's a, you know, you go, did I get lucky? When is the voice on the back of you going, did I get lucky? And it's just because I happen to know this business, or have I? you know, crack some secret code, secret formula that I can apply to others. Did you, did you feel a bit like that initially to go, well, can I, can I repeat this?
0: Yeah, well, I guess when it came to dental businesses, I was really confident I could and we got great results with lots of clients. As it came to other businesses, we're getting into um, lawyers and building, building organizations, you know, construction companies, things like that. I was like, I was a little bit nervous going in, going, hmm the rules i know that work in this game may not hold here but i mean the bottom line is if you're willing to do the research and learn all those elements what i learned over time was the fundamental principles of financial performance in a business and and how you how you perform in, in a team sense are duplicatable across all of those you you would find the same Tim, in terms of your work on this type of business are your marketing and sales methods going to work for me yeah, I think there's
1: a, you're right, there's some fundamentals, right? There's some fundamentals yeah. of what makes a, a business successful, right? Regardless of what field Ooh. you're in, right? If you've got staff uh, in your business, right, unless you're a crypto day trainer, you've probably got staff <laughs> or you're leveraging lots of AI bots, you, you know, you're going to have people do some work for you Ooh. and, you know, there are the elements of leadership are almost universal. Yes. And the elements of successful leadership uh, are universal. And getting the right people in, equipping them with the skills they need to do their job properly, skills and resources that they need to job and then yeah. getting out of their way to allow them to succeed is a is universal, right? I agree uh, that's actually There is a universal okay. sort of rule around financial management. Mm. Right? Don't spend more than you make. <laughs> yeah. Right? without really knowing that you're spending more than you make right yeah try not to spend the government's money yeah yeah because they like yeah. they will come knocking at your door and say wait where's my where's my cut because I'll be like the mafia right you know they want to have their envelope. bullet
0: yeah yeah
1: right for it to allow you to do business there's this there are some fundamentals and I think it's the same for marketing there are some fundamentals of marketing regardless of what tool or tactic that you use. Because there's always going to be a new tool or tactic, mm. right? You know, we need to make people aware of us. We need to demonstrate some credibility. Yeah. And our clients need to like us enough to want to do business with us. Yes. Hard to set and those are some fundamentals of marketing. Now, what, whether you use TikTok or Instagram or billboards or letterbox drops or, you know, appear on TV, there are some universal things about marketing that ultimately make it work almost for every single business. Mm. And I think that's the thing, when you crack that code, you do, A, want to see if it works somewhere else. Absolutely. When you do, I'm onto something here, right? And that becomes the
0: foundation of the business. Absolutely. And it was a lot of fun learning different sectors as well as you're going in. So yeah, every business has, um, well, I'd like to call it unique challenges, but the more I went on in time, Tim, I learned that they actually weren't that unique. Or it's not it's what is the, the same same challenges in business.
1: I mean, I've got to, I've got to ask the question, my 500% turnaround okay. in a single year is pretty phenomenal for any business. Yes. Now, what do you think were maybe two or three things that you'd be comfortable sharing that you that you thought made the biggest difference in that transformation?
0: Yeah, great question, Tim. I think if I reflect back on that time, it was getting really clear on our messaging, knowing who our clients were, Finding the right channels to get in front of them. I mean, we back in this is back in the day, Tim, when we used to put money on yellow pages advertising, right? So we dropped fifty k on yellow pages advertising, which netted that that single source alone netted over a million dollars. So it's a no brainer. Drop fifty, get a million revenue. And yeah, we well, do that. All, you do that all day long, right? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And so that was that was definitely. Um, one thing that was was helpful. I really applied a lot of that financial discipline around trimming the business, so it was pretty lean in terms of uh, its cost structures. So then the the profit was insane, and I mean we we were kind of well above benchmark for other businesses. So in terms of our financial performance, and probably the third element was really just building the right team and making sure they were really trained and equipped. I had this. Meeting discipline where we'd have a daily huddle, we'd kind of have um, weekly training on things. So it was just, we were spending a lot of time together doing things together. So Mm. the communication was really strong. So I think as I reflect back on that time, there were probably three things that really helped a lot. Yeah, well, I think they're probably probably three,
1: three of the biggest ones, right? Get okay, the right clients. Absolutely. Lines. <laughs> there's lots of other detail, but then... and, I, and I think it's an important thing. I, I there's a lot of people that I speak to, who don't understand what their, their cost of acquisition is. Yeah, you know, and if you know that every time I spend 50000 $50, dollars, i I make a million bucks in ROI, and I'm not suggesting that the yellow pages will get you that now.
0: No, sure probably
1: not. <laughs> um, but, but. You know, it's important to know how much you spend because your marketing budget shouldn't be a limited thing. Right? Your marketing budget should be assessed in a context of how much does that generate for my business. I yes. think you touched on two other things, really important things as well. Understanding your financials is critical. And you really need to spend some time getting an understanding of your financials. Either speak to your accountant You know, get them to run a session for you. Yes. If you need several sessions, get them to run several sessions. But there are also financial professionals out there that can teach you these things. You know, Um, you can find profit-first professionals out there, for example, who will teach you a pretty solid foundation of financial management for your business and, to be honest, even your personal life. I think that's important Mm as well. Well, that you uh, linked, Tim. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the last one is probably one that... People think about, but probably don't do sufficiently. And that's actually establishing a really good communication cadence Mm. in your business and the accountability with everybody. So don't just decide we're going to hold team meetings on Monday and Friday to talk about what we're doing. Actually go back and in your Monday meeting, hold people accountable for the results they had last week and what they said that we could do. So we go, Andrew, you said you were going to do this. Did you do it? No. Okay. What got in the way? And you record that down as a roadblock, because if that roadblock keeps coming up, then you've got something that you can actually create a project around to solve.
0: 100%, Tim. So important. You're eliminating those roadblocks and problems.
1: Yeah. Talk to me about uh, Just90. We've we we've we've, uh, we've got um, best practice consulting humming along. You've got customers yeah. literally beating down your door to say, oi, we want some magic sauce.
0: Right. Um, why start another one? Look, it's an interesting story, Tim. I guess uh, I got that entrepreneurial spirit deep down. That's definitely a factor, right? I was kind of um, best practice Consultant was a mature business. It, um, it, as you said, it ticks ticks along. It's got momentum, momentum of its own. I largely do not need to drive it at all, apart from responding to inquiries um, in a prompt prompt manner, right? So I had this um I guess yearning desire to kind of launch something different, but that's the kind of short version. If I kind of backtrack a little bit, there's a bit of a story to it. So mm. in Best Practice Consulting, COVID nineteen hits, we had a what was um record forward bookings for that for that year. Um I remember on Thursday and Friday all the clients were cancelled and they were just ringing up saying, well, look, the nation's going to lockdown. We've got to cancel our face-to-face training and literally six months. I've never seen so much work cancel in such a short period, but no one had no one had experienced anything like it, right? So had a bit of red wine over the weekend, Tim, reflective thinking as we do. And you know what? I kind of hit the phones on the Monday and Tuesday to say, you know what? You're not going to cancel. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to redesign for free and we're going to run any platform you want. I kind of had this thought in the back of my mind, once I'd done that, I could probably do something with the product. It just wasn't fully formed yet, but there was this idea. Fast forward a bit of time, our kind of conversion from face-to-face trading to digital trading, um, running virtual trading events for people have been wildly successful, getting great feedback from people. I mean, we, it was a steep learning curve as well. We hadn't really ventured much into that world. So we were kind of always learning and applying and testing and all that sort of stuff. Then I kind of had the health scare team. I'd pr- about six years prior, I'd had a cancer diagnosis, and then I'd, I'd been clear for five years. And then my cancer came back three times in a year, which was um, right in the middle of COVID. So that was, uh, should we say, a real shock to the system. Definitely a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's going to rock your world, no matter who you are. And, yeah, that that caused me to go through a process of really – thinking deeply about, well, I need to make some changes in my life. So I actually trimmed back best practice consulting to just focus on, um, rather than focusing on a much broader array of services, I trimmed that right right back. I only focus on really three of the services we offer Um, Mm -hmm. and the others in the team that do that, do the rest. I then thought, well, I need to create a different paradigm for myself. I need to launch... Um, just 90. I bought a company node um, and I had some digital product that was ready to go so I just set up this this company and thought I'd, I'd push the boat out of the harbour and see how we went. So I really try to get in front of other trainers, L&D professionals, HR people around the world who want to, um, I guess, save time on designing training courses which you're either in two camps so it comes out. You either either love, love doing that or you're or you're frustrated by doing that. Frustrated in the sense that it takes time, You can't charge really what you're worth about. And I also surveyed trainers, right? 50% of trainers don't even charge for that service. It's wild. I I, I always fell off my chair. I was like, what? You don't charge for design?
1: So, you know, the, the, in, the thing is, you're right though, a lot of people don't charge for their quotes, design, Yeah, you know, initial consultations. And I don't know why that is. I think we're, you know, largely afraid of, of doing
0: so, but it also knocks out all the tie kickers as well. Well, it's a loss leader straight off the bat, so you got to really really yeah. make, it, make that up. But actually, later on, you you either got. To I will do. I think we'll do an episode. Face to face. I'm, I'm
1: going to do a uh, an episode on how much it actually costs you to give discounts or give free product away. Particularly, particularly uh, where it costs you something, right? You know, getting yeah. the ebook away. That's yeah, that's very leverageable. But giving time away, yeah, discounting that's um. It's a remarkable
0: impact on the profitability. Yeah, the yeah. And look, I've read some good articles on that, and that's really what it does. So you think I'm giving a ten percent discount on the top line? What's that really worth when it comes to profit? That's that's the right positioning, tip. I think that's a really great way to look at it. No,
1: we're, look, we're in business to make profit. I want to drill into just ninety a bit more, Iron, because I know the consulting business has a fairly traditional funnel, right? You, yeah people approach you or, you know, you've got all our inquiry response, you know, meet and greet, you know, you do a bit of a consultation and then you, you know, give people a proposal.
0: Yeah.
1: But you're doing some, I guess, interesting things with um, Just90 that I want to draw some attention to um, in a bit more. Talk to me about what you're using with things like Fiverr and Hotjar and what those tools are to understand how to optimise customer behaviour, you know, through that site.
0: Yeah. So Hotjar is a free tool. A friend of mine um, put me onto that and are very grateful for the suggestion. So you install that and what it does is um, give you a heat map um, of how far people are reading on your site, a heat map in terms of where they're clicking. So for example, if there's a photo on your site, um, they will sometimes click on the photo and... Um, but if you don't have a link there, that's giving you a hint that they probably are testing to see if that's actually, um, you know, a link to somewhere else. So then you can drop drop the link in behind that and that becomes something you can do. The other thing that's really good is it also screen records every visitor to your site. So um, as your traffic grows, you've got less, less and less time to go through all of them. So you kind of uh, it become a bit selective, but it's a fascinating exercise, Tim, in seeing how far people read down the page, seeing, um, oh, did they click the call to action button? And then, yeah, you know, what did they do beyond that? So I, f- I find that stuff really, really interesting. So I, I think I'd recommend hot chart to people if they wanting to understand client behavior. Have you come across yeah. it yourself, Tim? I have. There's a, few, there's a few others in the market that do very similar
1: things. Like Kissmetrics is another one that does some similar stuff um i want to expand on that just um you know for our listeners benefit right um the eye tends to people actually people don't realize this but there the way their mouse moves around the screen tends to follow the eye right so you know how you might have had a a newspaper and you run your finger along under the words to track it you know unconsciously a lot of people will do the same thing with their mouse right We'll actually track the text with our mouse and that's where we tend to look right the Yes. You know, the mouse follows where we where were looking on the screen. And by recording that, not necessarily on individual basis, right? So one user, and if you don't have many visitors to your site, the kind of data is less, less relevant. But if you've got hundreds of visitors to your site, if not thousands or, or tens of thousands of visitors to your site, you know, doing that heat mapping, understanding what's the typical behavior, where do people click? You know, do they click on orange buttons more than green buttons or, or red buttons or blue buttons or whatever? Can actually really inform um you know there's mild optimizations and if you you know lots of one percents make up a pretty significant difference you know but oh, to your bottom line within you mm. so that's some um, some really cool stuff and i i love that you're doing that and actually sort of looking that um uh, looking at that sort of optimization
0: at that level super critical if you're running an e-commerce business absolutely i oh, look it's it's helped me get inside the customer's head a bit more, and I've watched people, as you said, <laughs> tracking on screen. They actually read line by line like this. You can see the mouse <laughs> moving. It's kind of a laugh, right, Tim? So as you were kind of describing that, I was just, I was just laughing because that's that's what I see on so many of the recordings.
1: Now I know that, uh, that you're also um, using LinkedIn and, and ChatGPT. Talk to me about how you're
0: using AI. AI, yeah. So look, I do. Um, Regular posting on LinkedIn—it's a great source to get in front of um, potential target clients. And so, I use chat, chat GPT to kind of brainstorm ideas for for posts. Um, the more rules you put in to Chat GPT, the better it performs. So, if I, I think if I wind the clock back to when I was first starting to use it six or seven months ago um, to generate some of these posts to now. I'm a lot more structured. I've got a basically a short list of about 10 rules that I've kind of used and um, that really helps guide the constraints which LinkedIn operates within. So that's really helped, I guess, shape shaped the text element of what, what I'm doing there. So for me, it it based on the commands you give it, it's able to produce something quicker than I could ever write it. So for me, automatically, it's time-saving. It's much easier for me to finesse something than it is to write it something from scratch i'd rather you know have have this draft and then kind of play with it from there so most of my linkedin posts i'm sure a lot of people would would um share this thought as well are fundamentally ai driven um with a bit of you know human touch over the top just to kind of um shape that and finesse that okay. so that's fundamentally how i'm doing that so time okay, so time saving have you noticed anecdotally um that the
1: response to the you know, AI foundation content
0: is actually bringing you better clients or more clients as a result. I wouldn't say it brings better. Um, there are different things I'm noticing on LinkedIn. So if you post a personal photo, that that post automatically gets more more impressions, more likes, you know, more response, that sort of stuff. So I, I think there, are, I think what we're learning here is well, you can use it for a foundation, but ultimately you need do need that human element, the human touch. If you wanted to really get in front of people, people want to know who you are and what you stand for. That comes through in what you post, of course, but they actually want to see you as a face. You're so
1: true. And I touched on this earlier. If you kind of just rewind the podcast about you know ten minutes or so, we've got to think about these things, right? We've got to be visible, so we need to create content to be visible, right? We've got to be credible, and so yes, you do need to have, um, you know some expert positioning in the content that you put out there. Yeah. But I think one of the key ones, right, you know, becoming a better expert doesn't suddenly some, you know, make you uh, more visible, right? Or someone buy from you, right? Really what people just want is competent. I just need to know that you're competent in what you do. You don't need yeah. to be the best in the world. You just need to be competent. I think one of the, the, the biggest things that people miss in their marketing is that we need to be likable and relatable, and putting personal content into LinkedIn as this is as if you would in Facebook. Yep, right, is a really powerful tool. Yep,
0: I agree. Really powerful, and we just don't do it enough. I agree. I mean, it always resonates when someone tells a really powerful human story, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right, love that. Love that. I, um, so you, you touched on Fiverr as well. Do you want me to talk to that one quickly? Yeah, look, just, just talk about Fiverr.
0: Yeah, so Fiverr, Fiverr I go to it to just hire ex- expertise around certain things. So if there's a bug on the website, I hire that. But more importantly, where I use the experts is to get feedback on my website. I remember the first guy I ever hired there was this Spanish guy, and he goes, Yeah, I'll do a video review of your website. And so he's on camera, a bit like you are now. He's looking at my website, and he's going, Oh, Oh, I really don't like that. <laughs> I'll like totally be honest with you. And, and he's, he just was totally unfiltered. And whilst confronting at one level, it's such valuable feedback, right? We need that. And he was saying, look, don't do that. That's never going to resonate. Do this instead. And he's quite, quite, quite an animated guy. I definitely recommend him and would definitely hire him again. So to get access to people like that, um, I think it's really key because what it does is it helps you shape what you do the whole time. Yeah. Is that why you're learning Spanish? <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> learning Spanish for that rest. I can speak to him more fluently now. I want to walk the communotes in Spain. That might that'd be
1: awesome. That'd be awesome yeah, I've decided that's like ours. Ours. I, I put it out there without a super amount of thought it might be in my group last week when I was doing a presentation and said, you know, some of my personal goals is to learn five languages fluently and I've wow. decided that Spanish is, is going to be one of them. And I started learning Russian on the weekend. That's oh, my... congrats. Hey, Tim, what are you using? Duolingo or something like that? No, actually, well, I've got a Russian friend who taught me two words, but I've now we've got them, so I need to go back into it again. <laughs> my kids like, you'd be Duolingo, right? So, great tool, great tool. I learned French with Duolingo yeah. last year, yeah. so uh, yeah, we need to, we need the romance languages,
0: don't we? <laughs> Make sure <laughs> always, we're... always we can say I, um, things to our, our loved ones <laughs> <laughs> that they don't understand.
1: No, no. Sounds good, though. I um want to finish up with a couple of quick, uh, quick fire questions for you. Um, yeah. what advice would you give to someone who is entering the consulting or coaching field?
0: Good question, Tim. I think consultants, are coached coaches, sorry, uh, there's plenty of them around in the marketplace. So if you're going to enter that arena probably my number one tip is you need to differentiate. You need to somehow um, be able to display to others that you are different. This is what you're bringing to the table. This is the unique uh, problem uh, or issue that you can help address for them. So it's helping them get away from usually their pain, their frustrations, their challenges. Um, Sometimes it's, it's, it's a towards goal. It could be, I want to be more like this. Want to have more free time, whatever it happens to be. So whatever your focus is needs to be clear in your messaging and that needs to resonate with who you're chasing. So that that's probably the top tip I would give. Um I think the other tips that really hang off that are don't be afraid to venture out. You're not going to get a perfect straight off the bat. Heck, I know I haven't. Tim, I'm sure you haven't either. You you know, part of the entrepreneurial journey is. What the heck? That didn't work. Um, okay, so what are we going to change up to test it if we can get a better result on that? So a big part of it is that kind of um, let's try something, test what result did we get. Nope, that one didn't work. Let's tweak it. Did we get a result? Um, no, nah, throw that out. Let's start again. Let's let's try this approach. So you're always, I think, tinkering and testing. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, I, without a doubt. I think that's one of the things that, you know, probably more so than anything that we do with our clients is test and measure, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll build a marketing framework to, you know, and scorecard to know not just which is getting me the most likes, you know, does does Facebook get me more likes than than LinkedIn, but tracking all the way through to revenue.
0: Yeah, that's the more because important. Because if I get ten
1: thousand likes on Facebook, but that doesn't deliver me any revenue, I don't care about that compared to the three people that I connect with a LinkedIn who pay me half a million dollars. Well said, Tim. Those vanity metrics don't matter. It's about dollars. What do you wish everyone understood about your job?
0: About my job, did you say, Tim? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a good question. Um, I think the value I can bring to the table or in terms no, of I mean, what I, I do. could,
1: if, if, if I knew that before they got to you, i would be like, oh, this is
0: awesome. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know. It's not so easy. Well... As you know, with any anything in sales, there's sometimes a bit of an education process in that. So I had someone recently asked me, well, I've got a team of internal trainers. Why, why do I need you? I just said um, three things. Number one, I bring all the latest in terms of bite-sized methodology, in terms of learning to the table. I understand all the neuroscience of so how we learn, how the brain learns best. And I guess the last point is 20 years in the game, I know what works and what doesn't. So that's really wouldn't buy, and she goes, "Oh, that's pretty clear." Yeah, <laughs> done. Stick <laughs> Wait. Thanks. Uh, what do you uh, what do you think the world is going to look like in fifty years? In fifty years, yeah, gosh, very different, Tim. Hope I'm still kicking around, but um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting world. I think we're going to be um, not going to have any. Uh, Reliance on anything fossil fuels—it's all going to be something cool, like in those futuristic movies we see. Uh, Tech's going to be like wildly different, even even to what it is right now. Um, So, yeah, I wonder what our jobs in the future will be like. Like, what are we going to be doing? It's just going to be—it's just, um, I guess, yeah. To think about that is um, mind blowing. (laughs) Where, where what are the yeah. possibilities? Where will the new entrepreneurs come from? Right? So all those sorts of things. Yeah, I I uh I, I'm slightly picturing
1: either a uh you know, a Skynet scenario or oh, a yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> that did come to mind, Tim. Or Wally, we'll all be like incredibly fat drinking slurpees and going around in floating chairs while you know AI assistants and robots do everything for yeah, us.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> funny, funny. Is that what you picture, Tim? I, I
1: definitely I definitely picture I definitely picture you know this this um congruence of artificial intelligence you know or augmented intelligence and um robotics I think that'll be uh increasingly you know commonplace and you know as as assistance for our life right as humans we're very good at trying to make things easy for ourselves you know that's that's our fundamental driver make things easier so I can have a You know, survival advantage over my competition. Yeah, we want to. We have a innate drive um, to you know conquer our environments, and and that all, know that's both a good and bad thing. Mm. You know, sometimes as we've discovered with, uh, you know, with our rampant use of fossil fuels, um, it comes with side effects, and there'll be some side effects of 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 our drive that we won't necessarily anticipate. But But I agree uh, too. It'll be some exciting times either way.
0: Lastly, where can we find you online and connect? Yeah, so probably the best places are either through the websites, bestmatchesconsulting.com.au or just90.com or LinkedIn is another source. Will you put those in? I will put all links in the show notes so you can grab those uh, if you're online
1: or just scroll down to the, the details on the podcast. Andrew, thanks for jumping on, mate. It's great to catch up again and appreciate you sharing your your wealth of experience and some insight to ultimately in making your business uh, run better. Thanks again for joining us on More Clients, Less Effort. If you liked today's episode, please like, share, subscribe, and all those good things. And we'll see you on another episode real soon. Take care. Awesome. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.